0: Does genetics fascinate you? Of course it does. You're listening to this podcast. Discover new advances in the world of genetics with DNA Today podcast. I'm Kira Dineen. I'm one of the producers of Enlorem's Patient Empowerment Program podcast, and I'm also the host and producer of DNA Today podcast. I use my expertise in genetics to help you understand the complexities through interviews with leaders in the field, including the host of this episode. That's right. Dr. Stan Kirk was on episode 141. DNA Today explores genetic technology like home DNA kits, CRISPR, rare diseases, groundbreaking research and more. For over a decade, DNA Today has brought you the voices of genetic pioneers. There are over 250 episodes, so plenty to keep you entertained and updated about genetic news. The show is a fan favorite, winning the People's Choice Best Science and Medicine Podcast Award for the past few years. Learn more at dnatoday.com and subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this episode right now. Discover new advances in the world of genetics with DNA Today Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Anne Podcast Series. A series that focuses exclusively on patients now referred to as having nanorare mutations. I'm Stan Crook, and I'm the founder, chairman, and CEO of Enlorem. Enlorem is a nonprofit foundation that I initiated in January of 2020. Our mission at Enlorem is to take advantage of the technology we created at Ionis Pharmaceuticals, antisense technology or ASO technology to discover, develop, and provide experimental ASO treatments to nanorail patients and to do that for free for life. Today we're continuing our complex journey through the most complex of organs, the liver. What about inflammation? The liver is highly involved in responding to threats. Again, you would expect that. It's making all these proteins, doing all these things, and it's sampling every drop of blood you have. Perfect organ to manage that, too. Inflammation is an active process. It's choreographed. If you have a threat or you perceive a threat, a certain set of responses happen, and they're integrated into ever more serious responses. So you try to respond with your least uh, worrisome response, and then if that doesn't work, other things ensue. The other thing that is new, that was not known until just a few years ago, is that every inflammatory process that you have also must be terminated. Think about it. If you have consistent inflammation, that's disease, right? Whether it's arthritis or whether it's SLE or whether it's anything else you can think of, psoriasis, whatnot. And so every time that there's an inflammatory response, there's almost an immediate initiation of a process that's going to terminate it. And as I said earlier, the failure to terminate inflammation is called chronic systemic inflammation. And that accounts for 50% of the deaths that we experience in the United States and the other developed parts of the world. So it's a very important thing. The liver, again, makes a lot of different proteins that either start inflammation or terminate inflammation. There are other cells that are involved too, but the point is the liver is a key organ in managing the inflammatory process that you have. We're now almost getting to the finish line here. Given the number of functions that the liver has, you would expect that there are plenty of liver diseases, and there are. Let's start with the worst, liver failure. Liver failure can ensue because of problems endogenous that are in the liver or exogenous outside the liver. As you know, we take many natural products every day in our food and other things and drugs and many of these things are toxic. And in fact, uh, the liver's role puts it in constant risk of being damaged, and it is constantly damaged. Because the liver is constantly exposed to these things, it can be killed. Of course, that can end up in liver failure. Not only is it exposed to chemicals, but it's also exposed to infectious agents because it's sampling everything that comes from the gut. And any of those infectious organisms happen to make it into the liver, like hepatitis, viruses, can do it real harm. I would say of the most common causes of liver failure. Alcohol is number one, but many, many other drugs can be metabolized to toxic things to the liver. And then, of course, you've got all your viral and bacterial problems that can also kill liver cells. And as I mentioned, obesity is probably today's most common cause of liver problems. If the liver fails, then you can imagine that every other organ is going to be harmed too. And so what's liver failure? It's just there are more liver cells dying than the liver can replace. The more liver cells that die, the worse the liver gets, the more serious the liver failure. And eventually, as those cells die, they leave an empty space, and what do you do with it? You make a scar, just like you make a scar on your arm when you get a cut. Same thing, and that's called cirrhosis. So cirrhosis just means scarred liver. If you think about it then, since the liver makes all these proteins that you need, there are probably problems that are gonna happen. Well, one of the first things that happens is the liver makes albumin. It's the most common protein in your blood. It is the thing that you use to keep the fluid in your blood from seeping into your tissues. It also carries a lot of molecules with it. What happens if you can't make albumin? Well, you get edema. And that's why people, when liver failure, get what's called ascites. Their abdomen's fill with fluid. They get often fluid in their lungs, and you'll begin to see fluid in their tissues because they aren't making the protein in the liver that keeps that from happening. One of the first things that happen when you have liver failure is you'll start seeing your abdomen fill with fluid. And that's a bad, bad sign. The liver is failing to do other things. It no longer makes clotting factors. It no longer can produce bile. It can no longer do all the things that it should do. And so you can imagine you're going to get problems in every single organ. It no longer makes the things like erythropoietin. So what happens? You get anemia. Once you understand that the liver is responsible for all this stuff, as it fails, you could predict which things are going to happen. And if bile is no longer delivered properly, then bile is very toxic to the liver. And if you end up getting extra bilirubin in your blood, that's a sign that your liver is dying it's near death everything you do exposes the liver to risk and if you do too much of any one of those things you'll pay at some point in your life it's just that simple and so liver failure is a disaster for the entire body and liver failure generally is the end of life one way or another. Liver has many genetic diseases, and some of them are nanorare. If you can imagine all the things that I've told you and the hundreds of things I haven't told you about the liver, every one of those things is, is a pathway, and every one of those things is made up of different genes, and so every one of those pathways can have a genetic disease and they do. Those are called inborn errors of metabolism often, and you've heard about a lot of them like Gaucher's disease and Fabre's disease and various other diseases. The point is, if you have a genetic issue in one of those pathways, you will have an illness, and that illness is likely to affect the liver and other organs. The key point is that the liver performs an array of important functions, and that if you have mutations in any of the pathways that are involved in the functions that the liver must be responsible for, you will have a significant disease. And often that disease can be helped by replacing what the liver is not making. And that includes proteins, fats, sugars, everything you can think of that the liver does, there are mutations. Liver also is critical to metabolize xenobiotics. Many of those xenobiotics are what we call drugs. The liver has this vast array of processes that it can take this diverse chemical universe to which it's exposed and do things to each of those types of chemicals. So naturally, it's got a lot of those. If you have genetic diseases, you can have genetic diseases in your drug metabolizing enzymes as well. You can have also problems in metabolizing drugs that change the way they behave. If a drug isn't metabolized, it can produce effects that are longer and more substantial. And the most classic example of that is antithrombotics. Coumadin is not used anymore, praise be, but it was the original anticoagulant, rat poison. It is extremely toxic, and it has a therapeutic index of, in my mind, less than 1. Remember, a therapeutic index of 1 means you have Equal chance to get something bad as something good. <laughs> Less than one means that you're almost certainly going to get bad no matter whether you get any good. Well, if you're taking other drugs that alter the metabolism of Coumadin, then bingo, Coumadin then can rise in your blood and you can bleed death. Again, when you think about all the drugs that you may take for therapeutic and other purposes, all of those must be cleared and they can all interact in these systems and they can all produce interactions between each other that can really produce some bad things for you. Metabolizing xenobiotics, including drugs, is tremendously important, complex, because chemicals in our universe are complex and they can interact together. And if they do, they can produce real problems. You know that fatty liver is a terrible problem. I think smoking is hands down the worst thing that you can do to yourself. But I would say that obesity may rank number two. It's just really bad for you, including destroying the liver, other organs, and eventually making you very, very sick, also dysfunctional. So it is the scourge of the 21st century. The fact that we no longer have to worry about starvation in a large part of the world and we have the ability to eat in excess is a new phenomenon. It didn't exist until the Industrial Revolution and the modern world really didn't, unless you were extremely wealthy. So that is our problem. What used to be starvation in the most of the world, which was the core problem, no longer exists. It's its twin. Now, the liver can be assessed with blood tests. I think you probably know that. Really, anything that causes problem in the liver causes liver cells to die in excess of what they should. And when cells die, they spill stuff into the environment. If you Take a, anything that you have in your house, it's got stuff in it, and you break it open. Where does it go? It spills out. Well, if a liver cell dies, it spills its contents. What's in its contents? Well, a bunch of enzymes, a couple of them are called AST and ALT. Those are your so-called liver tests. And so when you go in and you have your ALT elevated, all that really means is that you've had more liver cells die than you should. And the higher your ALT levels, the worse your liver is. And so you have a very nice way of measuring how your liver is doing in what are called liver function tests, LFTs, and the three main ones are ALT, AST, and then one that I haven't mentioned, bilirubin. Remember, the liver makes bile. If it makes bile and it's making too much bile or what have you, or it's spilling the material that makes bile, which is bilirubin, out because liver cells are dying, then you'll see that rise in the blood. And if you have your liver function enzymes, ALT and AST, elevated, and your bilirubin, goes up, now you're in really serious trouble. And if you've ever seen anyone with jaundice, their skin is yellow, that's because they have a lot of bilirubin in their blood, and it means that the liver has failed. Blood tests for liver are important. You get them done generally every time you have a chemical panel uh, because they're important, and they're easy to do, and early on they'll tell you whether you're getting in trouble with your liver. So I'm finished here. I know this has been long and complex, and I guess the bottom line is the liver's important. It is a waste management and a manufacturing GMP. Your ability to make things is all concentrated in the liver to a large extent. So, an amazing manufacturing organization. It's got systems to assure that what it makes that needs to be shipped out, get an address stamped on them and get shipped out. It also manages all the waste and has systems to assure that it can get rid of it. And if it fails to get rid of the waste, you get sick. If it fails to make the materials you need, you get sick, and all organs are affected. And so it is an essential organ. It also senses when you're infected, it's managing the inflammatory response for you, and it's also managing terminating the inflammatory response. There are numerous genetic diseases, and we're discovering more genetic diseases in the liver every year, and certainly there are going to be many, many nanorare genetic diseases in the liver um, that EnLorum hopes to be able to help because we have very, very good drugs for the liver in, in our ASOs. That's the end of the liver. I promise I won't do another organ that's just complex until it gets to the brain. Okay, doke. Thanks, everybody. EnLorum is a nonprofit
2: committed to discovering and providing personalized experimental treatments for free for life to patients with genetic diseases that affect 1 to 30 patients worldwide, referred to by Enlorum as nano-rare. Many of these patients progress and die without ever achieving a diagnosis. This is where Enlorum comes in. They do the impossible by providing hope, and for those that they can help, free lifetime treatment. For more information about Enlorem or today's episode, visit enlorum.org Any questions can be sent into podcast at nlorem.org. Search nlorem on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook to connect with us. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This truly helps us climb the charts and allows others to find the show. This podcast is hosted by Dr. Stan Crook. Our videographer is John Magnuson of Mighty One Productions. Our producers are John Magnuson and Kira Deneen of DNA Today. Thank you for listening.